0: This week we are joined by Eric Rooker. Eric has been a long-time mainstay of Ethel's Lounge here in Waterloo, Ontario. We talked with Eric about his first job working at a truck stop, his time spent working back of house and the importance of teamwork, and how working in front of house is more like running your own small business. Enjoy this week's show.
1: We are back with another episode of the Industry Podcast. My name is Kip. With me is Dan. What is happening? Hey, man. I'm still awesome as always. No real complaints there. Mm -hmm, Happy mm -hmm. New Year. Sounds the same to you. Yeah. I don't know. This is going to... I think this will air in February, so you're almost uh, past the uh, precipice of being able to say Happy New Year. without They're getting punched in the balls.
0: That's true. That's true. Good point. Good point. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
1: But anyway, it is a new year, and uh, as we're recording this, we're just fresh into the new year. This is... uh, January 4th, real-time, 5th? Yeah, correct, 4th. 4th, okay. Uh, Anyway. Um, um, How are things going with you? Good, yeah, you know, living my lockdown life. That's good, that's good. Yeah, plowing away at, uh, we're going to start selling some to-go cocktails from the bar, so by the time this gets uh, released, we'll have that up and going, because we can finally do that in Ontario now. Gives me one thing I can sell. Yeah, that's good. Uh, Yep, it was either that or I was going to have to start selling glassware. (laughs) All the ones you've stolen from other bars? Yeah, don't worry about it. That's good. Um, Okay, Uh, that's enough of this shit. We have another good guest for you today. Uh, Old friend Eric Rooker is with us today. It's going to be a good one. Uh, So stay tuned. Um, If you like what you're hearing on the industry podcast, you should uh, smack that subscribe button. And uh, that's what helps us out the most. Rate and review if you have the time, even better. Um, If you want to be a guest on the podcast, just DM us at the industry podcast on Instagram. And uh, once again, as always, big uh, shout-out to Zach Hanna at Zach Hanna Design, Z-A-K-H-A-N-N-A-H. He does the amazing artwork, so if you like what you see on our Instagram page, you should hit him up for all graphic design work. Um, And I guess that's about it. We can just... Oh, yeah, you should check out the archives. People should be really going back. with a lot of great interviews lately. Daniel Henderson. We had Victor Yorosevich. We had... Andy Whiskey, Mm -hmm. Alex Danger, Alex Danger. We had um, David Souk. That's correct. um, Recently, that was super interesting. Uh, So yeah, check them all out, and um, if you want to go way back, we can. uh, We've like there's (laughs) archives for days yeah 40 plus episodes at this point is that right look at that we're all grown up almost moving on 50 (laughs) look out uh okay so let's get right to this enough of our yammering on here let's get to the show and bring in our guest eric rooker how you doing
0: buddy good guys how are you still
1: great (laughs) we're doing all right man
0: obviously two are still great it's nice to see you Nice. I know I saw did. a few times in the last little while, but uh, Dan, I haven't seen you in uh, some time.
2: Well, just, check,
0: just check the local crime stoppers. You can always see the latest. Dude, I look day. every day for your bitch <laughs> <adventure, laughs> and I just um, wait for the call. Come yeah. mail,
1: man. <laughs> that's true. Reward. I just if he doesn't answer my message for a couple hours, I just rush over here and make sure nothing's happened. <laughs> <laughs> you have
0: to. Yeah. He's either like. Lying in the bathtub pretending you're swimming in the ocean or so deep in a few beers and some like bourbon. You'd hmm. that is crazy. Be dead. <laughs> so I was going over the show notes
1: for today and I noticed I don't know if you were aware of this, um, but we used to work together.
0: We worked together? Yeah, it's true. Yeah. It's, it was it showed up in the notes. Yeah, it seems like uh forever ago, uh down at the old lounge, uh uh-huh. we started working together and then became fast fast friends and rival uh football teams and then it just oh, yeah, moved i still owe you money <laughs> 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 i wasn't gonna bring that up but uh yeah i yeah. uh, started you know, at ethels in uh 2010 i believe and you were still large and in charge and there for i think we worked together for three years i believe
1: yeah it seems like three a, or four three or four yeah for sure uh, but before that you started in the industry um as in the in the back of the house as a as a line cook correct
0: i did well my first my first experience in the industry was um actually working at a truck stop oh where really my, where my mother was the short order cook oh wow for a period one summer i believe i was at maybe 13 mm. and uh you really get your eyes opened up uh when you're that uh, second person in you're 13 years old and they at a truck stop the first thing they tell you to do is go mop the bathrooms uh, not good not so good. that that's where i started that <laughs> off and then it just went from there i worked at a wendy's for a couple of years when i was in uh, high school i worked at a restaurant as a fryer cook in my hometown for what seemed like forever and was maybe less than a year where is your hometown where, where is your hometown where did you grow up Grimsby, Ontario, Grinsby, oh, okay. and Saint Catharines. Oh, Vineland,
2: Ontario. Huh?
0: Yeah, yeah, pretty close. Yeah, yes. I would have put a spit or a throw away, depending who you ask. Yeah. Cool. yeah. And then uh, you come, you came back to Kitchener at some point. Uh... I came here for school in 1999. Okay. Um, I had grandiose ideas of being a biochemist. Oh. You know, that didn't necessarily work out. I figured out I really hated chemistry. Mm. I really (laughs) hated migrations. I hated sitting in a lab for four hours. And I hated listening to people yammer on about the same thing over and over. Mm -hmm. So eventually I did graduate from Laurier in 2004 uh, with a double degree in biology and English. But the whole time I did that, I got back in the restaurant industry Apparently OSAP and my parents didn't feel like giving me money anymore. So yeah, it's funny you know, how that you works. Gotta, you you gotta do something. So just that random I applied at an East Side Mario's the one on King Street in Waterloo, the world's world's biggest East Side Mario's, if you wish. Yes. Yeah, so
1: we've, we've had a lot of people on the show start out sort of at an East Side Mario's and in case people are not faithfully checking the archives, East Side Mario's is sort of like the olive garden of Canada. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. It's,
0: a, it's a melting pot of uh food or if you want a trough bucket to go somewhere to eat <laughs> you know, just, just put the slop in there it's not yeah. bad food i mean it is mm-hmm. what it is but just put the slop in there and let let you know let the let the cattle come through if you wish <laughs> um yeah i applied as a dishwasher and dave pritchard the guy who hired me who i haven't spoken to in years um The last time I heard from him, he moved to BC. Actually, a really quality um, kitchen manager slash chef. Like, the the guy actually knew his things. And back then, you still, you know, you did the raw cooked chicken. It wasn't all packaged, and you dropped it, and that was it. Um, So, I applied as a dishwasher because I needed a job. And he said, you know what? You seem like a smart guy. You you know, you're coming off well. I think you could work in a team so i started on the fryers there and within six months i was a supervisor and with a year after that i was the assistant kitchen manager um and started working out front there and then did both for a while had other kitchen jobs but that's basically in kw where i got my start in the kitchen area
1: so when you're, uh, you're working in the kitchen uh, chiefly, but at some point you make that transition to working both, how did that come to be? You just sort of decided that you wanted, you saw the money or?
0: Uh, it wasn't even the money at that point because before I was a server or a bartender, I uh, was a front of house manager, whether that was a bar manager or the shift oh. supervisor. So I did that and kind of learned the tricks of the trade. Um, And it just eventually did come down where I was doing server's cashouts and being like, "Mm." (laughs) hmm, doing doing the math in my head. And I'm pretty good at the the quick math. And I'm like, you just made $30 an hour and I made 14 Yeah. This this doesn't work out to me because I ran all your food. I ran your drinks. I made this. I made that. Nothing against front of house managing. It is what it is. That's your job. That's what Mm. you're supposed to. But then it just started clicking in my head. And that location, I just, I was like, okay, I'm ready to move on. And then I worked at a Kelsey's in Kitchener, uh, just up the road. When I when I sent you the bio and I said, I've worked on a lot of places in King Street. Yeah. Literally worked on a lot of places on King Street. Right. Uh, and then I worked there for a while. I became the bar manager there. Uh, I worked in several other Kelsey's helping them relaunch with new ownership or implement POS systems, did all that. Uh, And then it just got to a point where I owed a lot of debt from school. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, I need a side gig. I need need something to do and didn't really want to sell drugs or do anything crazy like that. (laughs) Um, Not that I didn't dabble, but, you know, so I got a part-time serving job, someone that would hire me and... It all went from there. Um, so you did, uh, a lot of people,
1: we've we've actually now interviewed quite a few people who started in the back of the house and moved to the front of the house, but uh, very few people who just kept going back and forth, okay, which seems to be kind of what you did. You would work in the back of the house, and you'd work in the front, and then you'd go back to the back of the house a little bit. Wait, is, were you, are you just bored easy, or you just like both jobs
0: quite a bit, or...? Uh, I wouldn't say I'm bored easily. I just, there's something, and it's nothing against working in a unit as a server or in the front of house. Working in the back of the house is kind of like being on a sports team. Mm -hmm. Or it's kind of like going to war. Where Mm -hmm. you know you're going to get fucked. You know it's going to get messy. You know something's going to go wrong. And it's going to take everyone coming together to really, like, get through that. So I think that was the thing with the back of the house with me. was the camaraderie that, you know, like, okay, it's five o'clock. It's lined up at the door. We're going to get smashed till 10. And to come 10 o'clock, we're going to get a little silly. We're going to clean up and then it's going to be all over, you know, and then we'll go have a beer and we'll talk about how crazy and fuck that was all night. And then you go and do it all again. And on top of that, I just, I mean, if you ask my wife, Emily, I don't cook as much as I used to, or as I should, but <laughs> I sincerely love cooking mm. like the art of really like breaking the things down right from like receiving the order, prepping the produce, prepping the proteins to being right to online and putting it all together and getting it to someone's plate for them to enjoy, mm. regardless of the style of dining or level of dining, I, I guess. Um
1: Okay, so that's interesting. So it's just kind of like, and I think I see I see where you're coming from. Like there are nights obviously where you get fucked in in the front of the house as well, and everything goes haywire. But there are also nights up front where everything just goes perfectly smoothly. It's not that busy. You somehow make two hundred bucks, and, and like, and you're just like, wow, this job's awesome. But there and like no one's no one's shitty to you. But there's very much less of the camaraderie and the working together as a team in the front of house compared to back of house, I feel. Having not even ever worked in the back of the house, but just from
0: observing. That's also dependent on the crew up front, right? We are, well, I say we. You're a part of the we. And Athles are really lucky. How many people have worked there for 10 years? Yeah. How long do you work there? 10, 10 plus years? 16. Whoa. <laughs> so, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. There's obviously you don't just, it's not like it's a co-worker anymore. It's right. like you're, so it's, it's, that's a different beast entirely to other front of houses I've worked in mm-hmm. where it's a lot of places, you know, it's, it's being a server. It's kind of like you're running your own small little business that day. Right. You know, you're making your tips, you're doing different things. Um, You know, you can just focus and worry about that, but to be a good server, to be a good front of house manager, to be any kind of good industry worker, you got to help everybody out. Sure. You Not know, every wired like that.
1: I guess I'm just, my, what I'm saying is like, it lends itself more for individual work, like you're saying, like you're running your own small business type thing at the front of the house than in the back of the house. You really have no choice but to work as a team. Whereas, Absolutely. As, and you can, definitely, you can definitely go into business for yourself if you're working in the front of
0: the house. Yeah. Even if you shouldn't. Being in the back of the house, I, since we were talking a little bit of football earlier, it's like yeah. being on the offensive line. Mm-hmm. It's like being in the seven man box. It's it's like being a defensive back and knowing your your free your strong safety are gonna be there if you let your guy get over the top. Everyone has to work together. If you're, you know, if you're playing on the offensive line and your guard misses a block, quarterback gets sacked, right. and then the whole offensive line looks bad.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So I mean, to make that analogy, yeah, it's kind of that's where I mean it's kind of like a sport. It's kind of like going to war. Right. You know, if your front line's weak, your back line's getting destroyed. So, like, would you say that that
1: was part of what was drawing you back very uh, frequently to working in the
0: kitchen again, was that you kind of missed that? I Probably that sense yeah. of accomplishment, that sense, okay, we did something. Mm-hmm. You know, you do get that in the front of house, like I said, depending how long you've worked with people, depending if you're really good friends with people mm-hmm. or, you know. It doesn't necessarily matter, but the back of the house does lend to that kind of sport or war mentality of like, let's get through this together. Because if you you drop this dish, that whole chit or that whole order is ruined. So mm-hmm. I need you to be as good as I am or for you to pick me up so I'm as good as you are. Because right. if that doesn't work in the back of the house, that's why it's called the heart of the house, right? Mm-hmm. If that doesn't work, there's no level of serving that can make up for bad food. Right. Like you, you you can't apologize for someone's steak being mid-well when they ordered it mid-rare.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> no. yeah. Uh, you're probably uniquely qualified to, this, to talk about this. Uh, and we've talked about it a few times on the show before, but... Talk to me about the dynamic between the front of the house and the back of the house, because like, I'm sure you've worked in lots of places where it was more communal and f- and familial, but lots of places also where probably there was a, ma- a major separation between the two. And how... Oh, man.
0: There's been places I've worked at that the back of the house and front of the house didn't hang out. Right. Um, working at Ethel's Lounge, which is in Waterloo on King mm-hmm. Street, uh, everybody, for the most part, gets along. Mm-hmm. Like, front of house back of house go out and have well when we could go out and have drinks when we could do stuff you know have a beer buy a beer you know everyone was cool staff mm-hmm. parties were great because no one disliked each other i've worked in places where as soon as a server walked in or if you had to put a chit in or ring in a chit and go back to talk to the person that was running the line you knew immediately it was going to be an argument which never makes,
1: especially
0: (laughs) people who are new to the industry or just started working at whatever location, very uncomfortable, Yeah, as you know. Like, okay, I need to mod this, and you get that one person back there that, well, why can't they order from the menu? Mm -hmm. Well, this person has an allergy, or this person doesn't like mushrooms or green peppers or wants to change out the chicken for shrimp, you know, and that sets someone off, and they're – all of a sudden it's war. It's like people are angry at each other and that doesn't help a service go go well. As a front of house manager, there's been so many times I've had to go back in the kitchen and be like, can you guys fucking stop arguing? Because right. tables, <laughs> tables are asking to move because all they can hear is your yeah. F-bomb. Right. And you just called her a whore. She called you an asshole. And now they might not come back. Right.
1: And at the end of the day,
0: that's what we're all here for.
1: yeah. I know, I've worked in places where that's been an issue too. And actually, to be honest with you, even in the time that I worked at Ethel's, I saw every different type because I worked there for so long that I worked in a stretch where the kitchen and the... Front of the house never talked to each other, and it was yep. very separate. And then I worked in in there during time, periods where, like you are describing now, where everybody got along great and everybody was just friends. And a lot. Do you think that a lot of it depends on the personalities that are working in the, or or is it creating a vibe within the space?
0: That that's a good question. Thank um, you. Thank you very much. <laughs> can I can I, can I cough out and see? It? <laughs> um, it's the vibe, yeah. Uh, if you manifest a feeling of friendship, companionship, that we're all in this together, mm-hmm. that will manifest and lead itself into a good work environment.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But at the same time, if it's it's like, what's the old adage? One apple can ruin the bunch. Mm-hmm. You get one person in there that seemingly can't get on the same page and is going out of their way to be an asshole that's going to ruin everybody's night and then that's where you get a divide some people think this person's right some people think this person's right and then that's where the little interpersonal wars that can happen in between the front oh
1: fuck man and those are just the death of a spot it just leads to such toxic behavior once you start getting camps different camps it's you know it's uh, things are going to go down like you almost i'm at the point now where if i see that starting to develop at a place that i own i'm just like we just got to start getting rid of people yeah you (laughs) you
0: either it you either eradicate the problem Mm -hmm. or you try to get everyone on the same page but even talking to people sometimes you can't make them see your vision mm-hmm. and i haven't been in the situation where i've been an owner but i've worked in enough places i'm old enough i've been friends with enough people sure. like yourself who've owned businesses that i can't imagine that you seeing your dollars walk out of the door because rob and brian don't get along right or it's fucking frustrating huh? and
1: john yeah and do you find that that's more of a, uh, a an issue with a younger crowd like a younger staff Uh, Because I I have basically moved to a situation now where I try to hire, like this sounds terrible, but like I try and hire like kind of an older group of people like to work there as opposed to like people in there. And I'm not saying this isn't a blanket statement. There's obviously very mature people in their early 20s who can handle it. And I I have had those people on my staff before, but I've started to get into this point where I found that like the like you, almost the sweet spot is like late 20s and up. Because Absolutely. They're, ta- they're taking the job more seriously, and they, they, a lot of them probably are doing it for a career, but more than that, they have the maturity to not get into these toxic fucking situations that don't do anybody any good. They're there to
0: work. We were all something in our 20s, mm-hmm. like we, right? now We all ditched work. Yeah, Some people more than the others all went into work, whether you were hungover, still drunk or what have you check check as you know <laughs> everyone here included yeah um like <laughs> as it still happens today right? hey sometimes you got to have a couple <laughs> um but anyway um yes it's 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 somewhat easier working in an older older range i'm 41 mm-hmm. uh, a lot of the people i work with are either close to my age or far off like we don't have a a great kind of middle ground Mm. and a lot of these people that I work with now all have something to lose there's a bunch of people that have kids like myself um there's a bunch of people that have houses I think to answer your question more succinctly um as you get older you have more to lose you have more on more on the line this job's more important I I worked with a so many summer hires in the last 10 years where it's like why did you get hired and you know why you look at the person yeah (laughs) yeah I get it okay I get it but let's let's see a little more than that let's see what your morals are let's see how hard you work let's see what happens when like some of my grandfather used to say when your nose gets down to the grindstone how are you going to react how are you what are you going to do and I've seen and even that being said I've seen a 20 year old take over a section from someone who's in their thirties, completely blowing up. I've also seen, I'm not going to say her name. One girl in particular at Ethel sit in the middle of the patio and start crying because she had too many tables. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, then you're like, I think I sat in the middle of the patio crying one time because I didn't have enough tables. Well, you know what? That, that's the way it is now. Yeah. <laughs> I got five tables and I have this much to pay for I'm not gonna steal people's tables, but I'm gonna go have a back and I'm gonna have a cry and then I'm gonna come out even better. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, to make to answer succinctly, I think if I was a business owner, I'd be looking for someone not to say that has more on the line by being very good at the job, but hiring someone who's 20 never worked before and hopingly training them up and making them proficient at their job, as opposed to getting someone seasoned who's willing to work, who isn't locked in their own little way that you can show them how you want stuff. And then they can blossom in your restaurant is, is a good way to go. And if I, I own mine, I'd want to mix. Obviously. Yeah.
1: I like the way you put that though, because I don't think I've ever really thought about it that way, but like having something to lose is key. Like, the people who do have something to lose aren't fucking around when they get there. And they and they no. don't have a lot of patience for fucking around either.
0: <laughs> you know? You know uh, don't get me wrong, I like to, I love having fun at work. As you've all seen, you know, I'm yeah. singing, dancing. Maybe not the most professional server, but I don't work in the most professional place. Right. Yeah, you work in a place it.
1: you gotta read the room you're in and people like yeah. that when they come to Ethos, right? So Absolutely.
2: personality.
1: Yeah, they do. Yeah. Well, I don't have any of that.
2: That's what your wife says too.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. And, and she says now that the, you're not even cooking anymore, I don't know how long, much longer this is going to last. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, okay, so I, let's talk a little bit about... <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, just going to just move, move on. Yeah. Um, let's go. Yeah. On. Uh, Get out of the station. At the... You worked at one of the craziest fucking places in Kitchener waterloo for quite a long time which was the yeah. hotel oh. um talk to me about that experience we had a we had i think we've only yeah. talked to one other person who worked there uh, and, and he uh, chris kim worked there you know chris kim yep yeah so he worked there for a hot minute when he was really young though but you worked there That's like amazing. after you'd worked quite a few you've been in the industry for a while and you somehow stuck it out there because the one thing I know about that place is they
0: always have a help wanted sign in the window. It's a meat grinder. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's an absolute meat grinder. Mm. When I started there, I my employee card was nineteen sixty seven. I remember that implicitly being a Leafs fan, obviously. Oh yeah. Uh, and by the time I left, four and a half years later, I think the time cards were at. Close to twenty seven hundred. But <laughs> <laughs> like, I I, I I kid you not, in those four and a half years, I probably probably cycled through five hundred people. That's great. not is not an overestimate. So how did you and, last? I'm stubborn, stupid. I don't
1: yeah. know. Like, I really enjoy. But you must have it. found a way to, like, get through the craziness. Like, well, okay, let, first, maybe just describe. Drugs why.
0: and alcohol. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. But, like,
0: describe why that place is so fucking crazy more than anything. Um, It's family owned and operated, obviously. And um, there's, like, family there. Um, Bernie Sr. unfortunately passed uh, a few years back. There's Sonia, who's the matriarch. And then there's four kids Mm -hmm. all trying to run everything all with their own views. Uh, So you have one person that likes to do it one way. The other one likes to do it the other way. So it's in a polar sense, it's a lot of pulling in different ways. I worked there as the sous chef for mainly the barley works at the start. And then I started helping run downstairs. I had a great chef named Bruce Duff, a great man, funny, um, Little story about Bruce. There's one day we're right in the midst of it. It's a Friday. It's summertime. That patio is packed. And it's getting to a point where do we have to stop sitting tables because we can't keep up? And we were making a schnitzel plate at the time. It was called Jaeger Schnitzel. So it was a basically mushrooms, onions, a reduction with Jaeger, gravy, thicken it, plate it. So I had I was on saute helping call board. And Bruce is plating. And out of nowhere, he's like, where's where's the Jager sauce for this? I'm like, it's fucking up there. It's right in front of you. I just told you, so he, being annoyed because I'm swearing at him. Pulls it off, spills it on me, spills it all over him. Hot. Like, what the fuck, man? Come on. Like, And I didn't have that much on me. He was on my chef coat, up my neck, on my ear. Oof. Look at him. He's got it all over his face. And he just... <laughs> He just starts laughing, looks at me, he's like, still have enough to plate this. And <laughs> immediately, the whole, like, there's probably seven or eight people on the line. They're getting scared because the sous chef and the chef are yelling. Uh-huh. And immediately, everybody starts laughing. And, you know, he's one of the reasons why I stayed at the Huther so long, uh, because I really enjoyed working for him. And mm-hmm. I made some great friendships. I met Emily. Right. Met my wife through there. Obviously, that's a great friendship. Yeah, that worked um, out. Yeah, it really did, <laughs> right? All these, all these years later. Um, but I think to answer the actual question is because I I enjoyed the responsibility. I think I enjoyed the craziness. No, I, I enjoyed. the Well, maybe I did enjoy the 4 o'clock phone calls, 4 a.m. from Sonia being way more than half in the bag asking me if I ordered produce or not. Or every time they... Because they would hire anyone, right? Right. And every time someone was too scared to fire someone. or Eric, come with me. (laughs) Why do I have to come with you? Well, because you're not scared of people. Well, that doesn't mean I want to go fire the guy who's coming down off whatever he's coming on. (laughs) (laughs) And who's screaming. And now you're inviting me into the situation? Okay, I I will calm this down. But yeah, the four years at the Hoother... Um, you know, I also met my best friend, Steve, who you uh, worked with for a little of of a minute at Ethel's. Um, I I look back and I just shake my head at that sometimes. And sometimes I'm like, why did I stay? Mm -hmm. I had other job offers, but Mm -hmm. I think it was just, you never knew what was going (laughs) to happen. That's for sure. Never knew if, people were going to show up if there was going to be someone new that day. You never knew how many times the phone was going to ring during dinner service and you throw it in the deep fryer. <laughs> <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> I had to replace the phone, but I threw a phone in the deep fryer. <laughs> uh,
1: and maybe you just like
0: being sort of
1: an anchor in a chaotic seat, like, because they could probably just count on you to come in and do your job and... You're kind of, I'm sure you were holding things together a lot
0: during that period. I, that, that's a good that, That's a good analogy, an anchor in a deep, stormy sea. Mm-hmm. I'm going to use that next time I'm in trouble. Hey, <laughs> hey man, I'm the anchor here. <laughs> the sea is so stormy. Yeah. Hey, now, out of curiosity, have you been back there much at all since, since you left years ago? So, um... <laughs> I've been in several times, not many because it is what it is. Yeah. There's been some heated debate over that. I was let go from that position because after not sleeping for a few days and doing whatever I was doing at the time, yeah. or who I was doing at the time, I cooked the Christmas party. <laughs> when I said after this was like the fourth year I'd done it or the fifth year, I don't know. And I said to, the, to my chef, I'm like, I'd really not like to do it this year i just like to go to the staff party i want to have a good time i'm tired i'm not even supposed to be working and then i cooked it all went home got changed had too many beers and then i had a cook who hadn't worked there that long told me i had burnt something i'm like what i'm like it's been sitting out there under the burners for like three or four hours so if yeah. it's a little crispy now i apologize the holding time and yeah. he just got my face and I said, you know what, dude? It's time for you to back off. I'm done talking. So I he didn't listen to me, so I hit him. <laughs> and that's kind of that's kind of where the whole Hoother story ends because they were well if you're gonna punch someone, what what how am I not know you're gonna stab someone in the middle of a show Oh. <laughs> punching goes to stabbing very quick. <laughs> you know, I got a I got a kitchen knife. Instead of firing someone or telling them to fuck off, I'm going right to the stab. Well, I'm from Kingston, so that doesn't sound that crazy. Yeah. But <laughs> That's true. Yeah, I'm from Oshawa, so that's pretty routine.
1: Yeah. So that's,
0: it all depends where you're from. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Kitchen I've worked at, it doesn't usually go right to stabbing. I mean, yeah. I've, I've broken me. up fights between cooks and servers or servers and servers, but generally I haven't witnessed the stabbing. <laughs> I uh, so
1: were you still working there when there were strippers or was that before
0: your time i think they still had the strippers when i first started working there okay but i had dated a girl for quite some time that worked at the cafe when it first opened so cafe 1842 with a little side Mm -hmm. after it was like the penalty box and everything that they did a billion things with it and the strippers were there when She first started working there, so she'd get done. I go watch the strippers, or (laughs) it is an interesting aspect in the lore of that place. Yeah, I don't think it's been for years that they have them, but the catacombs of that place were you know, they had that little small, small stage, a pole, glass behind. And you push one of the glass doors, and that's where the strippers would go up into the rooms. You could get to anywhere from anywhere in that building (laughs) if you have the right keys or if it's unlocked. That's one of the crazy parts of the building that you can get. If you go downstairs, you can get to where the brewery used to be. They still have it, but there's other things in there. You could get up into the kitchen. You could get up into the apartments, all these doors, which was crazy. But to make a long story short, I think the strippers were still there. I'm not sure. Because that would have been 16 years ago. Yeah, that was quite a while ago.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure if I had already told this story on this podcast before, but I when I I had a run-in with one of the working ladies of the shoe show there. And um, I, <laughs> she, I was there with a couple friends drinking, and she came up. We were up in the upstairs part. I, I, it must have been called Barley Works by then at least. And she yep. came up and... I asked one of my friends for a cigarette, and um, she <laughs> was like, so I he gave her one, she's like, what's this, Du Maurier light? And literally pulled out a pair of scissors from her purse and cut the filter off of <laughs> <and started> Smoking. <laughs> and then called him a pussy. <laughs> It was, uh, it was an interesting crowd of uh, ladies that hung out Ooh, that, that. Like That's dream. what you would call a grizzled veteran. That's,
2: yeah, yes. I, know,
0: I call her my dream girl,
2: but that's just <laughs> <Yeah>. me. <extreme.
0: laughs> uh, oh. I, I even, even with the, the mask on, sorry, I think she'd take you. <laughs> that
2: that's that exactly, sounds like a lady
0: that would really control the mat there, if you know what I mean. <laughs> sign me up. So speaking of mass, uh, this is this is what you
1: call great radio segue. Um, yeah. I know that when we originally talked about doing this podcast, you wanted to talk a little bit about serving in mass during the pandemic, etc.
0: Uh, do you have some opinions on that? You want to share with us? Absolutely. It's uh, you know I I'll, I'll lay this out. I'll preface what I'm going to say with a little story. Mm-hmm. I honestly thought last year that. We would come out of this and I obviously didn't think it'd be this long I thought we would come out as better people Mm -hmm. I thought people be more friendly more understanding and I'm eternally an optimist Mm -hmm. I mean I can go both ways but I thought I thought people would be better I thought people be more understanding more enjoying their times out and not being as entitled and as much of I don't know, for lack of a better term, douchebags. as people yeah. can get they yeah. don't get exactly what they want. Man, was I wrong? Yeah. Was I wrong? It's it's hiding the people that have been better. Like our friend Cam, got him better.
2: Mm-hmm. Like
0: it's it's made people like you guys more fun to deal with because we don't get to see each other anymore. Right. Uh, but it's made the people who were difficult to deal with in the first place. Uh, it's just made them more hardened, made them more Mm. annoying, made them more difficult. Mm. And for this example, why do I have to wear a mask? Well, you're not wearing a mask for yourself necessarily. You're wearing a mask for the other, how many ever people that are in here, you don't know what their situation is. You don't know if one of their parents answer, you don't know if one of their children have some kind of ailment that, contracting COVID can necessarily really affect them and is it okay we can add
1: this out later if you is it okay if we talk about the fact that that's the situation that you personally are in absolutely okay so your your child has cystic fibrosis and um so it's obviously pretty fucking at risk for this situation so yeah so
0: so continue but i just wanted to get that out there like you actually have a personal connection to this absolutely uh Mark was diagnosed with cystic fibrosis shortly after he was born. He's six now. He's healthy. Um, if you ever see him, he looks like he's close to ten. No. He's he's big. He's uh, a great kid. He's opinionated. He thinks he's funny all the time. I don't know where he gets that. Like <laughs> <laughs> um, the 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 thing I will say, my child has been wearing a mask. Um, when he's sick, every time he's been out since he could put on a mask. Mm -hmm. if my son who's six can go to walmart can go to sobeys or go to daddy's work or he gets to go out to lunch and he knows he has to have his mask he runs around um his o2 canada mask. big shout out to o2 canada they're amazing um he knows he has to have that on he knows he can't take it off until he's back in the car he knows he has to sanitize and wash his hands so regardless of the reasons as to why a six-year-old is like that, why can't everyone be like that? Right. Why can't, well, I don't have a mask. I have a condition. Well, what's your condition? Mm -hmm. Well, I have asthma. Well, you're not coughing right now. And if you have asthma, do you think maybe you shouldn't be out right now considering what's going on in the world? Maybe Mm -hmm. you should stay home and get the takeout or do you just want to be out and not care? If my child who's six years old with CF can put a mask on, sanitize his hands and not get on this rhetoric about freedom or liberal freedoms and choice, then maybe you should give your head a shake and really consider the stance you're taking. Obviously Mm -hmm. I can't say that uh, to people and I really don't want to tell them about my life, but there's been a lot of people and a lot of people are great about it. Mm -hmm. It's not, you know, it only takes, again, it only takes one apple to ruin the bunch. Yeah. Some guy coming in screaming and be like, "Well, I can't let you in. You don't have a mask." And you're coughing on top of that. "Well, I just had a cigarette." Doesn't matter to me. Yeah. And how am I supposed to know? Yeah, exactly. People like people like that that
1: well, I, you were expecting. I think you're right too. It's like, "Okay, if you have that asthma excuse, that's fine if you're going to the grocery store." or somewhere that's necessary but like absolutely if, if you have asthma and you're walking around in a pandemic maybe don't go to the bar like sure. <laughs> like you could probably just stay at home and drink if you really needed a drink so yeah. so it leads you to believe that they're obviously full of shit and i'm sure there's exceptions <laughs> to that rule but like i mean i had a guy come in to sugar run and he ran a doorbell and i was like went and got him and have a mask? I'm like, oh, you need a mask to come in. We we all sell them to people for a couple bucks or whatever. And he's like, well, can I just say I have a condition? I'm like, can you just <laughs> say?
0: Yeah, like, come but on. What man. about people that actually do have conditions? Yeah. Like, you know yeah. what? As much as we want people in the seats, absolutely. Like nobody's making money. No. If no one's in the restaurant, no. if no one's drinking, no one's making money. The like, kitchen's not making money, the servers aren't making money, the owners aren't mm-hmm. making money. But you're people like that now, not only do you not care about yourself, you don't care about anyone you interact with from here on out in the next however long. And for someone to blatantly lie and to say they have a condition, clearly haven't thought about anyone but themselves.
1: Right. Yeah, it's that selfishness. It's like, and that's why I would say that even these people who are anti-maskers or whatever, it's just like, you're really just making yourself look bad. Like anybody who sees you walking around inside a store not wearing a mask, they just think you're a douchebag. And if you're okay with that, well, then I guess that's up to you. (laughs) Yeah, well,
0: if you want everyone looking at you or some people actually saying stuff to you, so be Mm it. Or even what, we also live in this world now where you can get anything delivered to your house. Right. Anything. Anything. So if you don't want to apply by the rules that our society is living upon right now, until we're all vaccinated until we're all over this, hopefully 2022, we can all look back at this and laugh. I hope hopefully this summer, maybe. Yeah. But if you're going to put yourself in that position, just stay home, just stay home. Don't get everyone sick. It's yeah. not worth it. Well, and it's like, you're there trying
1: to do your job, make your living. and, yeah, you're wearing the mask. You're wearing the goggles that we have to wear, whatever. And so you're doing your part. And they have come, people come in and just kind of be like, "It's." I mean, it's just insulting to you, even as a personal. They're trying to just make a living during the hardest time in the history of this industry.
0: Absolutely, the hardest time in this industry. I, I try not to take it personally. I try not to get too fired up, but. People fucking suck sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. People didn't stop sucking.
1: You're right. I was always... <laughs> people I was... just suck more now. Yeah, I know. I've I've sort of found that too. I I have found some people are a lot more understanding, and certainly the people, the good people, are way more generous. Absolutely. Like, but I have had I had some people come in the other night. This is a couple months ago, probably, and like complain about. So Okay, so when we reopened after the first lockdown, then we quickly moved into, like, these different zones where we had to close at 11, and we had to close at 9, and, and people weren't coming out as much, and then, then we moved into the red zone where we could only have 10 people in there. Well, there's only so much product I can bring in. Like, I can't afford to buy product and have it go bad or, or have it just sit on the shelf when, when we have so few people coming in. And I would have people still complaining about like our cocktail list not being long enough, or like, how come you only have three, four cocktails right now? And like, even posting about it on social media. I'm like, because that's all we're selling. We can afford.
0: Yeah. We yeah. can afford right now having 10 people in at a time. Yeah. That's, that's people who, A, have never worked in this industry, and B, that are so, I guess, for lack of a better term, have their head shoved so far up their ass that really can't see the end of the line from where they are on the line Mm -hmm. well i like
1: it fucking pissed me off too because i explained to those group of young girls and i literally broke it down like that because i don't care at this point in the in, in the situation we're all in like just let's just be honest i'm not trying to hide anything like look we're not we're not doing well nobody's doing well we're not making any money i can't afford to buy like this uh ingredient that goes into that cocktail or this specific um spirit that we don't use in anything else when we we're, we're not bringing in enough money to afford it we're just trying to keep the doors open right now and i broke it all down they're like oh yeah, yeah okay yeah and then like the next night i saw them trashing us on social media for not enough cocktails
0: and i'm like you gotta be fucking kidding me like <laughs> <laughs> like so because i can't afford this and i still have you guys make great cocktails yeah it's awesome Thanks. you know but no. you don't have that cash flow no if you don't have the ability to have that overhead how many bottles do you have on your wall that haven't been touched in months that you paid premium right. amounts right yeah. and you're charging whatever but at the same time, you know what? You go through that bottle. I can't afford to buy that bottle again, even if it was your favorite drink. No, and I'm exactly. sorry, we don't have your favorite drink right now. Maybe you should broaden your horizons and try something different. Or, you know what? At the end of the day, and it, you can't say it. Sometimes you wish you could. Go the fuck somewhere else and have I know. your
1: well, I night know. out. I had, like, someone be like, oh, uh, you know, in Toronto they have – I go to a cocktail bar and they have like 30 that. cocktails. I'm like, yeah, was that during the pandemic though? Or was that, yeah. <laughs> like I, I guarantee you, even if you go to fucking bar chef in Toronto right now, their cocktail menu is not quite as extensive as it was pre pandemic. There's no chance. There's no, no
0: chance. It's extensive. Well, my bar and my local bar in Toronto would always do this. Well, you're in a, you're not in Toronto. Yeah, no. The circumstances are completely different. You're in KW or you're wherever. This is what we have. Yeah. And that, that that
1: rate there is yet. But these are the things that you're talking about. Like how people like the shitty people, this pandemic has sort of been like the, the good people got better and the shitty
0: people got shittier. Absolutely. It's just kind of the good good people got great. Yeah. The good people. And we all know those people. We all have those people that come into our establishments. Mm -hmm. We all have the shitty people that come in and you, have helped keep the doors open over the years because their money is mm. just as good as the great people. Sure. At the end of the day, it's not about the tip. It's about paying the bill. Yeah. Um, but at the people who are entitled, the people who should be done this way, should be done this way. Well, the last time I was here or in Toronto, like give your head a shake and look around what's going on in the world. There's been so many times people have we changed the system that we were seating people. You know at Ethel's, no one ever got sat ever. It was a crapshoot. You could go from having one table to having back in the day, having 12 or 13.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. Like, oh, fuck, I'm in the weeds. I just got to put my head down and do it. Or you'd have shifts where I think the term used to be the patio lean. Where one side of the patio would fill because it was that time the sun was there. And then all of a sudden, an hour and a half later, it'd be that side. So i'm going with this people it was just always a free-for-all now people come in we seat them at the door and we have that initial interaction where we never did you didn't realize you had an asshole table till you went to the table yeah (laughs) you You had a great table till you went to the table and interacted now you're meeting them at the door now you're seating them now you're going through this list of things okay have you have you had a cough have you been out of the country have you traveled um do you have a mask all these things we need to do to keep people safe. Well, why should I wear a mask? What do you mean? Why should you wear a mask? Well, I didn't know you guys were in red zone. Do you, do you live in KW? Yes. I'm, that's something I glad you church. brought that
1: up. Cause I I'm amazed at how many people are like so clueless as to what the rules are when they leave their house. Like uh, my business partner used to always be like, Oh no, they're like, because they I'd be like, what, you have to close at nine. And, and he's like, well, they just think because we're a fucking speakeasy, we're gonna break the rules and let them stay later. But no, I mean like stuff like they didn't realize that we were only allowed to have ten people in. Like they were like, "Why is it so dead?" I'm, <laughs> I said someone asked me that when we were in the red zone there. Like, "Why are you
0: so dead?" I'm like, "What are you talking about? We're at max capacity right now." Yeah, we're, we're bumping. <laughs> yeah. We're bumping. It, it's always that nice reminder, eh? That you can't have a full section. Oh, this must. It, 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 what you guys are very full. Why aren't you very full? Well. I see you have a smartphone. I see you have a. <laughs> um, there's a big I, difference I between a smartphone and a smart person, though. Right? Yeah, there, those, <laughs> things those things don't always mesh. And I know not everyone reads the newspaper anymore. Not everyone watches the evening news. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, it's a global pandemic. Yeah, the global <laughs> pandemic. If you don't know what COVID is or some of the like the symptoms. Or the reasons why you're wearing a mask, or the reasons why you might need to go get a nasal swab, mm. or some of the reasons why you shouldn't go out while you're coughing, or why you shouldn't get up from your table without a mask on. Where have you been? Uh, Are you so ignorant that those things don't apply to you because you're above all that?
1: Yeah. Were you When you were in red zone, um, when we all were in red zone, did you have a bunch of people who didn't seem to know that the bars had to do last call at 9 o'clock? Tons of people. Okay, good. Because I was like, my business partner is very much like, no, they're just trying to see, like, feel out if the speakeasy is serving later. And I'm like, I think some of them legitimately don't know.
0: But how do you, how how would you not know that? That's what I don't understand. Or you get get a call, and this happened quite recently. And this guy's on the phone, obviously, like, already toast. You can tell. Um, He's like, well, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, actually, we're doing last call at nine if you get here we can serve you till 10 he's like well i just want a beer and get food i'm like well our kitchen's going to be closed and i can't legally put a drink on your table after nine o'clock well what do you mean well on, on your web, on your google site it says you're open till 11 right now what 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 did you google are you lying to me or is google what do you mean? <laughs> like, I, I know what, where you're trying to go with this, but yeah. what do you mean? What do I mean? I, why are you arguing with me when I told you what's going to occur, even if you try to come in? Mm-hmm. Or the people where, especially since we went to Red, you know, you're doing your cash out at 930 and people are calling, be like, we're outside. We can't get in. <laughs>
1: we're close
0: i know i've had people actually well i just i just it's just me and my buddies we want to come in for a beer yeah. great that's it's you best. and your buddies. <laughs> i'm not paying for the 900 dollars fine because no, you and your buddy can't go to the lcbo in the beer store and buy two four and a 60 or yeah. a 40 what have you and go sit in your basement even we're, if you're breaking the rules we're having
1: people like ringing the door like during the red zone we were having people ringing the doorbell after we're cleaning up like ten i'm like come on man <laughs> like, like and, and and again i could never really tell if they were people trying to suss out whether we were going to break the rules because we we're the quote-unquote speakeasy or whether it was just pure ignorance but i think it was about a 50 50 split i
0: think for for you and your business maybe mm. um and it's always someone's trying to push their boundaries, right? How far oh, yeah. can I push this person? What can I get more than what I would have gotten? And that it completely lends itself into the entitlement. How, how many people,
1: and like this, we can move this just away from straight COVID, although I've, it definitely has intensified during COVID. Um, how many of these people who try to push the rules and see what extra they can get, do you find in general, are actually people who work in the service industry?
0: um that's that's funny uh well you will uh you will at times you know you get and you know you get a table of servers or industry people walking in um and it's great Mm -hmm. like you know okay bank here we go you know and then you're like it's last call you're like okay two shots beer cool we're good they'll be like oh man i missed last call can i get another drink Yep. It another you're in the industry you should know i know and but how with- often
1: is it those people i like i just find it's like i i'd say i'm gonna target the percentage at 70 percent of the time it's the people who are trying to bust the rules of the people who work in the same industry as you i don't think you're wrong
0: yeah it's fucking crazy, 10%, right? either it, way yeah but it, it's so weird that uh, one of my really good friends one of our really good friends jr yeah. His best line ever is doctor's worst patient. Yeah. Right? yeah. Is another doctor. Yeah. So sometimes a server's worst table is another table of servers. Like generally, the time, they're the best,
1: obviously. And generally, you want them the most, but they, the, 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 there's this certain percentage of them that think, oh, I work in the service industry. I'm going to push the rules. And because I come in and I tip a lot. But I'm like, it, it, that's exactly what
0: you shouldn't be doing. Regardless of the, the size of your tip. Yeah. You should still respect where you are. Yeah. Like it's... I couldn't imagine ever going into your bar and being like, "Oh, I know Kip. I've known him for years. Give me another drink." That that's no. not proper behavior. No. Regardless of the industry you're in. And of course that someone turns around and says that to you at your bar. Be like, oh fuck, like why would Eric do that? Or if I'm serving someone and they're like, well, I do this, I do this, and you're like, no, this is not how it's done. What would you do if I came into whatever bar you work at and behave in a similar fashion? Yeah, I know.
1: And 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 it's like a problem generally it happens with like the bars that are open till two every night, and then you get the servers who are coming in who work in restaurants that closed a little bit earlier and they're coming in for their after work drinks and just coming in trying, hot. Yeah. Coming in hot, always trying to push the envelope. And I'm like, you guys should be the people who understand the rules, understand the repercussions of breaking those rules for a bar. If they were to get
0: caught and should be, shouldn't even be asking. No. Do you understand if like a bar loses liquor license? Yeah. That's a lot of people unemployed. And that's even to an aspect, you know, what? you and I both, if I go out to eat, I want to have a beer right? and I might change my mind of where I might like to go if I can't have that beer. Sure.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's a good point. Right. So now you're just serving food without a liquor license and yeah, then, uh, uh and then it's, uh, and essentially it's like, while well, you've lost all that business, right? And um, yeah, I don't know. I've just found that a lot of the times, and again, 99% of the time you want that server table. I just, those are the people you want to come into your bar. We all want to serve people in our industry because they're the best customers in general. But the, that 1% that remains uh, that are that are always trying to get away with something, are seventy percent of the people who are trying to get away with something? Absolutely, I. That's one hundred percent correct. You know when you know you are going to get a shitty tip is when somebody says to you, "I used to be in. I used to be in the server. Or I used
0: to be in the server. <laughs> I'm in the industry. Yeah. If you leave, I'm in yeah. the industry. Yeah. You what? You and I'm not taking anything away from anyone. You either work at McDonald's, yeah. cup, yeah, or i um, I don't know, Formosa. Or you fucking
1: worked at a bar for a hot minute when you were in your early twenties, and yeah. now you have a dip, now you're a real estate agent. <laughs> it's yeah. like, well, I yeah. was in the industry. I get it. I get it. I don't think you do. Oh, it's because the second like, someone. The 60s, yeah, it was different. The second someone tells you that they are in the industry or were in the industry, you know, oh, this customer is going to be shitty. <laughs> yeah, it's like a resume flashing in yeah. your head. But it's also like uh, we all recognize the people. Like it's so like if you serve someone two or three times and they were just lovely to serve and you got a massive tip each time, then you know like by the third time you serve them, it's kind of like so where do you work? <laughs> like you know, yeah, what I mean? like, <laughs> yeah. uh, well,
0: you you do you do what we do or you used to? Yeah. And because you're pleasurable. Okay, what's your name? I have to know. What do you do? And then you build that rapport, you build that relationship, and that's what creates good, like, service clientele relationships. Mm-hmm. But it's not always like that. Like you no. said, that 1% is where all of a sudden you see that person again, and when they're coming in with their significant other or their kids or whatever, then they come in with that big group, and there's that big group mentality. Yeah, yeah. It's like – Craziness, and then it's like, Well, I worked in the industry, and you're like, Oh, here we go. I don't want to do this right now. Like, (laughs) you're Uh, gonna start telling me how to do my job. One of my greatest lines, and I don't use it often. I'm like, Do I come to your work and tell you how to do your job? And you can see people's reaction because if you deliver it properly, especially where I work, it catches people off guard, and then they think about it, and then they're like, Oh, I'm sorry, that I guess that was kind of rude. Well, not rude necessarily, but you just try to tell me how to make a Caesar or ask if I've ever made a Caesar before. Yeah, Uh, Yeah. You just saw me take out two or three to the table beside you. No, miss, or no, sir. I've never made a Caesar before. (laughs) Can you enlighten me how you made it 10 years ago in your buddy's basement? Or (laughs) what, what, like, you put in it. Oh, I always put horseradish in mine and it's amazing. Well, you probably are right, but we don't have horseradish. Oh, it'd be so much better if you did. Yeah. I, I, I will let the kitchen manager and the owner know, and I will make sure that by chance you come in again, we have horseradish just for the you. The horseradish
1: goes in and the horse shit comes out. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it's like great job. Yeah. Um. Yeah, no, I know if you – what I found too from the older side is how many times people come in. You know what you should be doing here? You should do this. You should do this. <laughs> I'm like – and it's always like people who are like teachers or doctors or real estate agents. I'm like, what the fuck do you know about how I should be doing this? Like, and also, look around. It's packed.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so I should be doing this different. And yeah. that's the thing. Right? Do I go into your classroom yeah. and even if I know a better method – of how you should be teaching a certain student? Or do I go into a doctor's office and be like, Actually, you should write them this prescription. Yeah. <laughs> you, don't, you don't do that because you have respect and awareness what if, of what, what if, someone does. What,
1: like just in, into surgery. And what if you tried this ventricle instead? <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, I don't yeah. think you're making that stitch quite tight enough. Yeah. But that's what the not? thing. It's
1: it, There's a certain group of people, who, like there's a large number of the population who actually just believe that our job is pretty easy and they could all do it and they all could do it better, which is just baseless obviously and it's the same with people these are the people who later on in life maybe they make a lot of money and they're like hey i like to hang in, bar, out in bars i should open a bar
0: and those are always the bars that are closed in bars each. that die first those yeah. are the bars that are done yeah like well we've seen it on king street how many bars have opened up and closed not even covid aside have closed just because it's people that have never worked in the industry Oh, are it happens all the time now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, thinking was, you're smarter, thinking you're smarter than someone that's been doing something a lot longer than you is a good way to set your own house on fire. Yeah, and
1: it's a certain group of people who just look down on what we do as well, and we're never going to be able to change that. I think, luckily, as, as people like you and I get older and we've been in the industry for longer and longer, we're just like we take pride in what we do. We know we're good at it. We know it's just as valuable as any other job out there i mean but you probably come up in the same generation as me well i know you do that like there was a feeling of probably guilt that you had for a very long time that you weren't a biochemist or you know because that's what you're supposed to be doing and that somehow this job was beneath us and then if you're like me and and i'm pretty sure that you are just being your friend you get to a certain point in your life where you're just like what the fuck am i feeling guilty about like I make a lot of money i can travel i can like you know like why why am i and like the people who you're quote-unquote envious of because they got a quote-unquote real job are making less money than you they work nine to five hours they're like you know and then you're
2: like aren't going to
0: shows aren't taking trips aren't going watching games wherever um it took me a long time to get over that and i think maybe even into my thirties where I was just like, Oh, I was definitely into my thirties. Yeah. felt like I was dumped upon and I had to reassure to people that I am actually intelligent. I could be doing other things, but I've chose to do this. Yeah. And once once you get over that, because to be in this industry, you have to get somewhat over yourself. Yeah. You know what? Things stick. Sometimes they bounce off, but at the same time, I dealt with that guilt for a long time. Some of that came from my parents. We're like, why are you Mm -hmm. doing this? Mm -hmm. You're so smart. You could be a doctor or a lawyer. I don't know if I could have done that maybe 20 years ago. I don't know. But at the same time, I'm making all this money. I feel fulfilled doing my job. And at the end of the day, I was making more money than my dad ever did by the time I was in my mid-20s. Right. So, I mean, from that point, I did feel successful. Not that that kind of lineage is necessary, but, and then be like, well, people be like, how much money do you make? How much money mm-hmm. do you make? Well, it's none of your business. Right. Well, you yeah. always have cash in your wallet. Yeah. Well, I work in a cash-based industry. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. if I'm paying for things with cash, it is what it is. Yeah. Well, you're, and then, it, you know, what that that just, it is. Yep. Yeah. Is what it is.
1: Well, I think that's a good spot to leave it, Eric. Thanks for so much for doing this. This was great catching up with you. As uh, we haven't actually been able to sit down and have a chat in a while, frankly, because of uh, everything that's going on in everybody's lives. But uh, I appreciate you. Coming. Yeah, fucking COVID. Uh, I appreciate you coming on the show, man. There was there was a lot of good, enlightening conversation there. So um, thanks very much for doing this. Uh, we're all going to get through this COVID nonsense, come out the other end, and be enjoying our jobs again. I look forward to sitting down for a beer with both you gentlemen sometime. Yes, when we're we're allowed to do that. (laughs) Thanks, guys. Thanks, buddy. Thanks.